Thank you so very much, Colin. Um, that introduction, I was, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was thinking of all those times when we were there, we were together. Even the songs that we were singing this morning were like, oh, I'm being sort of transported into the Ashirwad Hall and we are standing together and raising our hands and worshipping Jesus. Uh, but thank you. Thank you very much. It is a massive privilege to be sharing the word this morning with you. Um, and thank you once again, Colin, for, for your friendship, Nawaz, for your friendship, for your... Um, for your pouring your, yourselves into our lives, Nam and mine both, uh, for your love for Shifa and Isaac, uh, for your prayers, church, for the times when I've when we have reached out, when I've said my mom is not well and you've prayed. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. We, we really appreciate every prayer, every message, every thought, every word that you guys share with us. So uh, thank you. It's a, it is a privilege is mine, to be honest, to be here. Uh, last night, I, uh, when I messaged, when I asked Colin, Colin, is it okay if I just come along to worship with you guys? Because after today, I might not be able to, uh, I might not get a chance to join you guys on Sunday morning like this. Because from next Sunday onwards, Trinity Church is starting uh, physical meetings, God willing. So uh, we are going to start meeting after a whole year. I mean, it's exciting, but slightly nerve-wracking at the same time. Because some of us here are saying we might need classes on social skills because how do you sit with someone with a coffee over an hour and look into each other's eyes and talk i mean that can that can get intense after a whole year of just talking on screen i mean we might be able to touch people and say oh really you are real you, you exist you're not just on screen um, i mean how do you do all that so we're just chatting about that but anyways thank you thank you very much for having me uh this morning and I bring, bring greetings from Trinity Church, London. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so last night I was, everything was confirmed and I was asking God, God, what do I share? Uh, I didn't feel the need of coming up with a, with a God in the midst of coronavirus message. Or I didn't feel like, oh, uh, I need, we need to answer this question. How can God allow such a thing as this? I felt, uh, because I believe that these questions have been discussed and answered, and there are some answers which we have not received, and God doesn't want us to uh, keep wandering into those places. And so we thought, no, let's, let's just put that all aside. There are other apostles, there are other teachers who can do much, much better in that direction and directing the church in that way. So I thought, God, wh what do you want me to do? And, and I just felt like, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Um, I mean, Good Friday is coming. Easter is around the corner. And we would be remembering Jesus' finished work of the cross, on the cross once again in a, in a, in a different way again. Uh, we would be familiarizing ourselves once again with the cross like every, every Sunday morning we do. But Easter morning again is, is such a special time uh, to remember Jesus' death and resurrection. So why not continue to be with him? Uh, and one of the reasons uh, uh, I was thinking, why did Jesus come? Uh, wh what was one of his reasons? And I was, I was, uh, I was reminded of by the Holy Spirit that, yeah, he he obviously came to seek and save the lost, as the word says. He came to seek and save the lost. And Luke records Jesus saying that in Luke 19. 
So turn, turn your Bibles with me to Luke 19. Uh, I would like to share with you from the story of the tax collector uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, let me pray before that. But be, before I pray, um, just a word of caution uh, before we do that, because you may be tempted to reduce this story to a Sunday school song. I mean, I've heard in the past that there is a very famous Sunday school song and uh, that can be true for many of you here. I mean, it wasn't true for me because I wasn't part of a Sunday school. Um, but uh, there was a song that, which, which when Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, he climbed up the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I mean, uh, yeah, and, and sometimes it's not the unfamiliarity, it's actually the overfamiliarity of something that can keep us from actually pressing in, if I may say that. I mean, this can be true for loads of things in life, essentials like food and water. I mean, we eat three times a day, uh, some, sometimes four. Uh, and instead of coming with thankful hearts, we can always come like taken for granted hearts sort of, oh, come on, this is just food I'm eating and big deal. Appreciating our friends and, and family. I mean, what a year we have all gone through where God has sort of just reminded us, appreciate everything around you that I have placed. It's been a great reminder for each one of us, including me, that, come on, let's take a pause. Let's appreciate the things that God has placed around us. And sometimes it takes a pandemic for us to realize that. But not just these things, but also the cross, the finished work on the cross. And sometimes we can come so familiar to it. We can become so familiar to it. Uh, I was reminded of uh, Matt Redman's song when, when he sings, he says, may I never lose the wonder. Oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's put aside all our familiarity, if I may say, and, and come to God and speak to us and ask God that uh, he would speak to us in a, in a fresh way. Uh, come, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. And we thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your word. Lord, we surrender our hearts, our minds, our complete selves to you, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord, to get hold of the truths from your word this morning. Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us, encourage us, motivate us, lead us, convict us, and help us to lift the name of Jesus in our midst once again. Lord Jesus, help, help me to be clear in my speaking, Lord God, and let the words of my mouth be a worship to you, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go through the text uh, one verse at a time. What I'm thinking of doing is I'm not I'm not coming up with points. Here, here is a three-point summary. Let's look at it. I, I would be reading with you and imagine that we are sitting at the feet of Jesus together and listening this uh, this account from him directly as a, as it were. So let's look at verse verse by verse and see where God takes us. Okay. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Luke, Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, where is Jesus headed? Luke 9, verse 51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And from right from chapter 9, where Luke tells us that he and his gang, his disciples, 
have started a journey to Jerusalem. There were so many episodes that were recorded. I mean, Jesus sends out the 72. He gives out the parables, the Good Samaritan, the parable of the rich fool, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Many healings have taken place already. Crippled woman healed, uh, uh, healing of 10 lepers. And just before entering Jericho, Luke says in chapter 18 that Jesus healed a blind man, Bartimaeus. And now this God man is on a mission to Jerusalem where he would become that lamb of God to be slain for the sins of the world. And after terribly being ridiculed, mocked, beaten up, he will be crucified. And then his body will be laid in a tomb, but wouldn't remain there. Instead, on the third day, he will rise again. And as, as, as Luke says, Jesus resolutely sort of set out for Jerusalem. There was, there was no stopping now. No one, no one or nothing can stop him from dying on the cross for our sins. He is that God-man who is on a mission now. He was committed to the will of the Father that, that much that he would not let anything or anyone stop him. There is enormous momentum at this stage. And Jesus has healed this blind man. He has just given sight to a blind man. And, and the crowds around him has seen that. And they are trying to follow him and saying, okay, let me see what is, what is happening now. They are anticipating, what will he do next? What is he going to do next? Let's see what he's going to do next. So there is a lot of anticipation in the crowd itself. And then verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. So here is our, our second character of the story. First, first is, is Jesus, of course. The second is Zacchaeus, who was a Jew and he was a tax collector. Now these tax collectors appointed by the Roman Empire. Uh, they, they were appointed by the Roman Empire and they were they were Jews and, and there was there was a Roman Empire and they coexisted. But it was hardly a peaceful relation between them. It had all sorts of its tensions. Jews looked upon the Romans as people who were oppressing them, occupying their land. And so they have these they had these uh, lit, uh, middle men who were in between between the Roman Empire and the people of God. And who were these people? They were these tax collectors. And they were Jewish people excising tax from their own people and handing them over to the to the pagans, to the to the Gentiles, to the people who uh, did not believe in God. They were dishonest. For example, if the Roman government would have said the tax for this particular district uh, of Thane uh, uh, works out to 15 lakhs, these tax collectors would excise as much tax as possible, give the 15 lakhs to the Romans, and then rest of them they would put in their own pockets. These tax collectors were hated. They were viewed as traitors and not just hated. Zacchaeus at this stage was not just hated because he was a tax collector. But Luke says that he was a chief tax collector. So he was much more than uh, just hated. He was the sort of ringmaster of all the tax collectors around. Not only would he have cuts in each of the taxes from the individuals, but also he would have uh, cuts from the tax collectors as well. So you can almost see a sort of pyramid of the organization. And Zacchaeus is sitting right at the top of this tax department. So he's a tax collector. He's a very powerful man because he's very rich, but he's hated by his own people. And he's counted among the sinners. I also honestly feel that he was quite brave at this stage because such a hated person, it takes uh, actually guts to go into a crowd like this. Because in verse 3, this is what this is what Luke writes. He says, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. 
because of the crowd. I mean, when you read this, you say, oh, wow, uh, even though being a tax collector, this man is trying to do something really good. I mean, he's, he's, he's curious. He's seeking Jesus. He's trying to see who this man is. Uh, he would have heard a lot of things around, about him up until this time. He has already healed lepers and paralytics and demon-possessed man. Uh, and Jesus has calmed the storm, even raised widow's son and the girl from from uh, a girl from the dead. He has fed the five thousand. And Zacchaeus might have heard some of these stories, and now he's curious, finding out who this Jesus is. I want to see who this Jesus is, and and he's doing such such a good thing. He's seeking Jesus. Um, I'm obviously reminded of my own uh, a bit of my own story where uh, where the afternoon nine years ago. Uh, when I had entered into a Christian meeting room where where people were sort of laying hands on each other and praying for one another. And I was roaming around there in, in uh, with my hands in my pocket and I was asking myself, what's wrong with these guys? What are these guys doing? I mean, what is this Jesus? I wasn't, I wasn't in a place of seeking, if I'm honest, but I was in the place of questioning and Asking who is this Jesus? I mean, who are these guys who are following this Jesus? How is this Jesus of the Bible different from the Jesus of the Quran? I mean, those are the sort of thoughts that were going on in my mind. I wasn't sort of seeking him or seeking him for for any for looking any good in in himself, but I, I had these questions: What are these guys doing? Really, what's wrong with them? Uh, maybe you are in that situation today. I don't know. Maybe you are sitting here and thinking, "Who is this Jesus that these people have been singing about all this morning?" Maybe you are curious today and it's, let me tell you that it's a good place to be. Uh, please don't hesitate to come closer to Jesus, just like Zacchaeus does at this stage. Let's, let's keep going. Uh, verse four, he says, uh, Luke writes, so because he was short and because of the crowd, he couldn't see. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. I mean, you can see that Zacchaeus is taking a lot of effort to see Jesus, isn't he? I mean, here is a man who is hated by his own people, and that's why probably depressed and alone, but very powerfully rich, wealthy man. He is happily giving away all his dignity to see Jesus. I mean, when you see rich people, they don't, uh, rich men and women, they don't uh, do things like that. They don't behave like this. They behave very sober and with balanced mind, and every step they take, it will be a quite calculated one. And this is not what little Zach is doing. He is he's ready to leave his uh, dignity behind his uh, he's being he's almost becoming shameless and saying in front of his all his subjects and subordinates. Why? There's one reason he's saying, I want to see this Jesus. I want to see who he is. And so he climbs up this tree, uh, sycamore tree. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I mean, when you read this, you can almost go like, when, when, you, when you read this, you can almost go like when Jesus reached the spot, he would have probably looked up. If you wouldn't have read this verse, this, this is what you could have, it could have sounded. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you tax collector, you are an oppressor of these good people. You have been draining these people down so badly. You have betrayed your country and your God. This community's hatred is upon you, fully justified. You must quit your job, journey to Jerusalem for purification, return to Jericho and apply for yourself to keeping the law. 
If you are willing to do all these things, then on my way back, I may consider to enter your newly purified house. But till then, adios, amigo. He doesn't say all these things. He just simply comes to Jesus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Amazing. I mean, all this while, all this while we were thinking it was, G it was Zacchaeus who was the seeker, who was seeking Jesus. But quite extraordinarily, it is actually Jesus almost who is seeking, who is coming to seek. What a beautiful statement from Jesus. Come, I must stay at your house tonight. And quite extraordinary because all this while we have been thinking it is, it is Zacchaeus who is, who is the seeker. I mean, Zacchaeus is the one who is looking for Jesus. He's the one who is climbing up the sycamore tree. But Jesus calls out his name and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. And this makes Jesus the seeker. He is the one who is seeking the lost. He is the one who is seeking the lost. Zacchaeus is lost and this omniscient God, God man, he is the one who is seeking the lost. I mean, Colin, uh, Colin has shared my story, but I would love to share a, a, a bit more how, how all that, how God did all of that and how God broke into my life. I come from a very loving uh, Muslim family where from a very early age, I was taught that Allah is the only God and Muhammad is the true prophet. And just like Muhammad, uh, Jesus also is just a prophet. He did not die on the cross for our sins and things like that. Uh, but from a very early age, God made me sort of conscious uh, of the wrongs in my life and i used to ask this question to my own self what about my what about my wrongs what will allah do with those wrongs and i used to ask this question to to my um, uh, to my teacher as well arabic teacher who used to come and teach me uh, teacher what about my wrongs and the answer that i used to get that oh don't worry about your wrongs because allah is merciful he will forgive you and somehow that answer did not satisfy me in one sense because because I did not see the base of my forgiveness as me asking forgiveness. Because when, when, I, when I used to hear that answer that Allah is going to forgive me, he's merciful. The question that, that used to arise like, on the basis of what? Because it, Here I ask forgiveness and there I go to do the same wrong thing again. So it can't be my sort of good works. It has to come out of myself. It has to come out of myself. So this question anyway stayed in my heart and I kept coming back to it. But I never spoke to anybody around it apart from that Arabic teacher. Anyway, fast forwarding many years when, when I was a Muslim and I was uh, in this room that I mentioned with, with Christians and uh, and uh, roaming around with my hands in my pocket. And uh, there was this conference where uh, where the Christians had gathered, where Word of Grace uh, had the conference. Colin Nawaz invited us. I was still a Muslim. And uh, Nawaz came up to me. And at the end of, of a session, people were laying hands on each other and they were praying for one another. And Nawaz came up to me and she asked me, did somebody pray for you? And I said, no, nobody prayed for me. Uh, and why would you like, why would you pray for me? Because I, I was wearing my name tag saying Abdullah Jamal. And like, why would you want to pray for me? Because I'm, I'm a Muslim. I'm all right. I'm okay. And I asked this question, what would you pray anyway? And Nawaz stepped out in faith, led, being led by the Holy Spirit. She, she said that we would just pray that God will open your eyes 
I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a big statement to make. I mean, it's not me. It's you guys who need opening of eyes. I mean, you guys believe in three different gods and this and that. But then I said, okay, fine, go ahead, pray. Let's see what happens. You will, in my head, this was what going on. You will pray, nothing will happen. And in that sense, I would have preached Islam to you guys. Let's see, nothing happened. And so um, uh, some men came around me, they started laying hands over me and they started praying and, and very simple prayer, God come and meet with him, God come and touch him, God open his eyes. And in the midst of all of that, what happened was I started um, sobbing, I started weeping and I started crying. And I, and I wanted to stop myself and I wanted to say, come on, what, why are you making a scene here? Come on, stop, Abdullah, because this, this is not cool. Come on, stop. And in the midst of all of that, what, what happened was a sort of a presentation screen came in front of my eyes where all the wrongs that I had done in my life started coming up one by one. You know, Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done and I'm going to forget it forever. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done and I'm going to separate that wrong from you as far as East is from the West. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done and I'm going to throw it into trash. And I'm standing over there with the list of my good things of all that I have done, I've done this, I've done this. Who are you who's showing me all these things? Because I've never felt anything of this sort before. And these words that I heard very clearly in my, in my heart, not an audible voice, but a very clear voice in my heart that Mehu Isa, which means I am Jesus. And that day what Jesus was doing was he was calling out my name. He was answering that question that I had in my heart. What about my wrongs? This is what I will do with your wrongs because of my death and my resurrection. This is what happens with your wrongs. Your wrongs are separated from you as far as east is from the west. They are taken away from you forever. Maybe he's doing that with you now. He called me by name that day. And when, when he calls, there, there is nothing that I could do. When he called, there's, there is nothing that I could do but respond to this unconditional love. Maybe it's your name that he is calling today. I mean, today is, as the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Fear not to respond to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you might be thinking, uh, coming back to Zacchaeus' story, when, when Jesus called out his name, he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. You might be thinking, but what about all that effort that Zacchaeus is making and he has made already? He has gone through the pain of climbing the tree, the dignity, the, the dignity that this wealthy man has lost in the eyes of his subjects. I mean, what about all the good works that I have done? What about all the songs that I have uh, sung in my Sunday school, all the foundations that have been laid? And, and what all? What all about that? I mean, come on, I'm in a good place to earn my salvation because of all of that I have done, because of all of that I'm doing. Suddenly God can say, yes, you can go into heaven because of all the things that you have done. What, what about all the efforts that Zacchaeus has put into this? This is what, uh, let me just take you very quickly through, uh, through an illustration. Uh, and this is how PJ Smythe, one of the church leaders, you might have, if you're part of Word of Grace, if you're part of, uh, Nawaz and Colin, Colin and Nawaz's teaching, you have definitely heard of P.J. Smythe, the foundation that he has laid. And one of the things that has stuck in my mind from uh, one of the videos that I saw that um, he explains this beautiful truth in such a manner. He says it's, it's almost like uh, entering a room 
through a doorway. I mean, before you enter through the door, you see all these scriptures written on the door in Matthew 7, ask, knock, and seek. So it, he talks about your responsibility. You know, Zacchaeus is climbing up. It's his responsibility. He's, he's sort of saying, okay, ask, knock, and seek. Revelations 3.19, be honest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I shall come in and eat with him. And when you enter the room, which is filled with the glory of God, and, and you are in this amazement of what God has done for you, when you are in this room and you're sort of closing the door behind you, uh, these are the scriptures that are written at the, at the backside of, of that door. Ephesians 1, for he chose us before the creation of the world. He chose us before the creation of the world. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you. Isaiah 43, he says, fear not, God knows you by name. And he says, you are mine. You see this, we are able to respond. Zacchaeus was able to respond because God knew us and he knows us before the foundations of this world, before creation, before any human thought of our existence existed. God knew us by name. And this is exactly where Zacchaeus was. He could seek Jesus because his name was already sort of book, uh, uh, written in the Lamb's book of life. But that did not stop little Zach from putting in all the efforts to climb up that tree. That did not tell him, okay, I'm just going to fold my hands and sit here and let Jesus find me because, because I, I don't need to do anything. No, our efforts to seek him are not, not worthless. Our efforts to keep seeking him and keep finding him, keep questioning, keep asking God, uh, they're not worthless from what we can see here. I mean, Jesus treasures them. But it's helpful to remember that, that it's always always starts with God. It always starts with God. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 6. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So this little Zach, he welcomed uh, Jesus, not just in his house, but also in his heart. He believed in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was filled with this unexpected sort of un unexpected love from, uh, that he received from Jesus. But look at the reaction from the crowd. Look at the reaction from the crowd, verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Did you see that? Did you, see, did you just see what Jesus did? I mean, Jesus just demonstrated one of the deepest levels of the cross uh, of the power of his cross at this stage I mean, in the beginning of the text we saw that it was Zacchaeus who was hated because of who he was and what he did now by self-inviting himself to Zacchaeus's house this enmity from Zacchaeus's head has almost uh, shifted onto Jesus and now people are not muttering about Zacchaeus at this stage people are muttering about Jesus and this is what he is going to go through very soon in, in, in Luke's gospel. This unexplainable and excruciating pain. He's going to be kicked and mocked by the crowd. Would be given to a crowd of, would be given a crown of thorns. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. What he just did was he just extended unconditional, unmerited, eternal, costly love to Zacchaeus. And he took his hurling and his muttering upon his own self. 
I'm very sure Zacchaeus would have never felt that he was he was worthy. Uh, maybe you are feeling the same. Maybe you are sitting at this place and and saying, "I'm not I'm not worthy of God's love." And may I may I say this? Yes, you 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 are right. You're right. If I say this to myself, no, I'm not worthy of of God's love. I'll say, yes, I'm I'm right. Yes, we in our own selves, we in and our own selves are not worthy at all. We will never be. But God loves us, and He makes us worthy. He loves us, and He makes us worthy. Zacchaeus was not feeling worthy, but he was filled with the unmerited love. Otherwise, verse eight would have been somewhat like this. Rabbi Jesus, I have been robbing people blind for years, and now I I deeply feel the regret of it. I deeply regret it. The money is all spent. I can't do anything about it. I will, but I will I, I will do what I can. So hereby I pledge myself to start a large gift to the poor community, and then I shall review my account and see what what best I can do. Uh, but this is not how Zacchaeus responds. This is how he responds uh, in verse eight. He says, "But Zacchaeus stood up." and said to the lord look lord here and now i give half of my possessions to the poor and if i have cheated anybody out of anything i will pay back four times the amount this is how he responds he was not just fulfilling the in that sense law by sort of paying back because as per the law in leviticus uh, he was required to return uh what he had ex- exhorted adding a fifth to the amount so if i had exhorted some 10000 rupees from someone i will need to return 10000 plus 2000 uh, hopefully i'm okay uh, with maths here colin so uh, uh, 12000 or something but what what zakias is doing here he is returning 40000 back he's saying i'm going to give four times and like whatever i have taken i'm going to give four times back In fact, in the last chapter, Luke records the story of a rich young ruler. You you know the story. He, he asks, "What must what must I do to inherit this eternal life?" And Jesus says, "Follow the commandments. Follow the commandments." He says he comes back and he says, "I've kept all the commandments since I was a boy." Ah, you lack one thing then: sell everything that you have and come and follow me, and give all uh, give all to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And we all know what happened with him. I mean, he became very sad because the Bible says he was a man of great wealth. Jesus, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is indeed easier for a camel to pass through the needle's eye, but for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then the Bible says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And this, in this place, Zacchae- in Zacchaeus's place, this is what God is doing. Jesus, Jesus said that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Here it is. God is making possible for Zacchaeus to enter into the kingdom of God. Amazing! How was this made possible? How was this made possible? Verse nine. Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham." It was made possible because salvation had come to Zacchaeus's house. Verse ten. Verse ten: For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. I want to talk about this Son of Man for a little bit. This title, Son of Man, is the title which Jesus used for Himself 
very often. So that's nobody else but Jesus himself. He's talking about his own self. And he says he is, his mission is to seek and save that was lost. He is that son of man who was promised to come and crush the head of the serpent. He is the son of man who is the center of God's covenant in Abraham. When, when God speaks to Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing. He's talking about this blessing that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you, through Jesus. This blessing. He is the same God whom Jacob wrestled in Genesis 32. He's the same God with whom Moses said, I am who I am. He is that God who said to Joshua today, I have rolled away the shame of slavery in Egypt. He is the same name in which the king, the first king Saul was anointed in his name. He is the same God about whom David said in Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. He's the same God about whom Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 9. And he says, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the same Son of Man concerning whom Daniel spoke. In Daniel 7, he says, in my vision, I saw at night, I looked and there before me was like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and sovereign power and all people, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never, never, never be destroyed. Amen. Amen. And he's the same son of man of whom John's, John wrote in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He's the same son of man. Whom John, who, uh, Jesus, who was who was mocked and betrayed and beaten and spat upon, who was given a crown of thorns to wear in whose hands and, and feet nails were pierced. And before dying on the cross, this is what he said. He said it is finished. I have completed the task that was given to me. It is finished. There is nothing that you can do to, to, uh, to make God love you more or less. He loves you because he loves you and I have finished it. It is finished. The task is over. And finally, he is the same son of man who was laid in Joseph's tomb. He did not remain there dead but rose from the dead on the, on the third day. And now he's sitting in the right hand of the Father. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. This is the Son of Man that we come to. This is the God that we worship. This is the Savior that we love. I hope and I pray that, that today, if you do not know Jesus, today, if you do not call him as your Lord and your Savior, you would come to him, you would sit at, at his feet and say, God, I need you in my life. I am done with driving, with sitting behind the steering wheel of my own life and saying, I am, I am, the, I am the Lord of my life. I'm done with that. I want you to be, uh, to be the power at work in my life. And to those of us who already know him, already believe in him, trust in him, it's time for us to say once again that, Lord, all of you, all of you, Lord, it's not by work, not by might, but by the power of God that I am saved by your grace 
and nothing else but through faith in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let me just pray and 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 close. And maybe Colin can lead us in in response. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that when He said, "It is finished," it is finished. We cannot add in any way, in the slightest way, to the finished work of the cross by Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The only right response in our hearts, Lord Jesus, is to is to worship you and to praise you and to give you all the honor and praise that is due to your name, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and lift the name of Jesus in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in every breath we take, in every move we make, Lord God, your name, Jesus, will be exalted. Amen.